0: Welcome to the Breakthrough of the Ordinary Podcast. Are you ready to be committed to your future self? If you are, sibling duo, Mark and Claudine Shimante will take you on a journey of self-discovery to unlock your highest potential through impactful conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, coaches, and healers. We are here to share practical tools and strategies to generate the life you envision. New episodes drop every Monday.
1: Uh, we have a chance to welcome Nick tonight, who is a certified NLP trainer, a published author, international speaker, and a certified digital marketing specialist. Nick is often brought in as the behind-the-scenes secret weapon, which I can't wait to find out about, to provide elite training and consulting, and his personal client list reads like the who's who of the international business, sports, and entertainment communities. I can't wait to hear what kind of secret weapon you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> Nice a to have you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for
2: having me on. Very excited to be here.
0: And I've had the privilege of knowing you for a few years through NLP and uh, some mutual friend that we, we share in common. So we always start our first question off since our podcast is about personal and professional development and breakthrough. We always ask, what do you think people get to have as their own breakthroughs to have the life they say they want?
2: I like to keep things ridiculously simple. Like personally, I'm, I'm a fairly extreme minimalist and pragmatist. So i don 't like a lot of fluff, and if something's not extraordinarily practical, works for me, works for my clients, works for anyone, then it's not really worth the time and and energy and After almost two decades of doing what i 'm doing now, decade and a half of teaching, two decades of personal work on myself, I think when it comes to you know having the life that you want, the number one thing. That And I sign off all of my emails with, with two words, uh, and, and it's all over my website. It really comes down to choose freedom, right? The concept that freedom is available to anyone and everyone. However, no one's coming to rescue us, right? It's all on you. So freedom is a choice. One of the most impactful experiences I had was ridiculously simple in the, on the concept of choice. If you write the word choice on a piece of paper in capitals, right, all capital letters, so that the letters bleed through to the other side of the paper, and I encourage you to try this after after we finish. It's, it's uh, fascinating. You write it so that you can see it through the paper, and then flip that paper over. It's still perfectly reads choice, right, because of the way the letters are formed. And so you turn it over and over and over, and every single time it reads choice. And so the concept is there's always another choice, right? And I wholeheartedly believe that freedom is a choice. And it's not a one-off choice. It's a choice that you need to make essentially every day or even in every moment in every decision is this something that's going to move me closer or further from my freedom but really and i gave this question a lot of consideration before you know we arrived here in this discussion so that it could be immensely simple and practical and it really does come down to the moment by moment choices with the criteria of is this moving me closer or further from my own personal definition of freedom and what that means to me in my life.
0: That's applicable. I I appreciate that. And I don't know that everyone wants to own that level of agency in their lives.
1: Absolutely. It it changes accountability (laughs) and
0: responsibility.
1: Freedom does. Mm -hmm.
0: How do you have freedom? Can I ask you what's your definition of it and your distinction, Nick?
2: I don't know that I've really accurately defined it. Funnily enough, I think it's a moving goalpost. I used to have a lot of things that I considered set in stone in my life, and a long time ago, I went and almost became a Buddhist monk. So I almost left the world behind and and went into monastic life and in order to become. Uh, and this was in um, Tibetan Buddhism. So you're probably aware there's three different schools of Tibetan Buddhism. I was going down the middle path. And it was a four-year intensive training program. I got through two years of it, um, and then I met a girl. So, you know,
1: pulled back into (laughs) the
2: worldly realities. (laughs) Ended up getting married, or all that fun stuff. Um, And I love my life now. One of the main takeaways that I still apply daily in my life from the the heavy Buddhist influence is the concept of nothing fixed, right? No attachments. So I always – it frustrates my wife, actually, because I – I'm quite verbal that I have no fixed opinions. I I don't like to cling to anything. If something is, I'll, I'll run everything through the criteria of, do I feel this is moving me towards or away from freedom? If it's not giving me the experience of freedom, so it's more of an experience than a definition. If I'm not feeling free, then I will course correct in a minor or major way. So that's it's not a super direct answer because I I can't just say, well, this is what freedom means to me, ABC. So it's a moving goalpost or a, probably a better way to put it is an evolving definition. And this, the kind of standard things that, I, you know, you read and you hear from people is doing whatever you want, wherever you want, with whoever you want, you know, Whenever you want those kind of things. But in the in the real world, that's very impractical because you can't really do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. The last two years with you know COVID-related lockdowns have demonstrated that to people as well. So how do you still feel free in an environment where you're being told you need to wear a mask and you can't go more than five kilometers from your house and you know, all these externals? So it really comes back to choosing to experience the feeling of freedom in the moment, moment by moment, and which therefore kind of ties into my NLP training because my, and I'm sure we'll cover this in a little more detail, but my definition of NLP is unlike anyone else's definition as far as I'm aware in that NLP is the use of suggestion to control and direct focus. Primarily that should be your own focus at first if you're working on yourself, And suggestion is whatever you are telling yourself, right? And that could be as surface level or as deep as you want to go into that. But the idea that we're constantly suggesting to ourselves, you know, auto-suggestion, every thought that we have, every piece of internal dialogue, everything we say out loud, every thought essentially, and that is controlling and directing our focus, which is determining what we filter, what's showing up in our lives, and then not attaching to any of that or having fixed opinions. That's a very long answer to a short question, but I don't have a specific definition of freedom, but this is what is made up conceptually in freedom for me at this point in my life at 41 years old. It'll probably change again in the future, but that's what I'm at at the moment. It's
1: a good good way to live, though. I I believe not holding on too tightly is a good way to live. So... When you're working exponentially growth with businesses or with clients, how do you work with them? What do you bring that creates that exponential growth?
2: Exponential growth is an interesting concept. I think the main thing, on a very practical level, I bring you know, real-world marketing, sales, strategy, all these kind of things I'm very good at all of that. I'm great at putting together businesses I'm excellent at explaining concepts, simply taking taking something that's complex and turning it into a system that's reproducible that generates results, helping clients define their vision, their goals, create a plan that's going to get them there and a lot of people are good at that I, I just happen to be very very good at it and in part it's because of part of my background is I'm a trained traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. So that, that's the professional training I first received. I went to university for four years, studied a bachelor of health science in traditional Chinese medicine. And the I don't practice acupuncture or Chinese herbal medicine clinically anymore, but within the Chinese medicine framework, there's 10 different diagnostic systems and underlying all of them, is one concept, which I won't attempt to pronounce in Mandarin, but it translates into English as pattern identification. So one of the major strengths that I bring to business coaching or consulting or influence consulting or whatever it is that I'm That I'm doing, creating my own programs even, is the ability to look at a range of in a medical context be disparate signs and symptoms. And in business would be, you know, jumbled ideas or thoughts, or we could go down this path or that path, or what should our business model look like? What should our marketing and sales funnel be? And I can very, very quickly identify the core bits and pieces that are absolutely going to move the needle the in in the quickest and and uh, most effective and efficient ways. And so that coupled with the NLP-based mindset tools that I bring to my clients to allow them to then get out of their own way and actually apply those changes, those two things make a massive difference. Because I've had the experience of working with a lot of clients where we design a brilliant business model and put marketing or sales processes into place that are going to get them from here to here in, say, three months. But it's so far outside of the reality that they've constructed for themselves that they self-sabotage massively and never actually get there. They find all the reasons why they can't do it. Things magically start to go wrong in their lives, right? They they attract that in. And we've had the opposite where someone can have the right, not that there is a right mindset, but the right kind of mindset to make those exponential gains, but but without the underlying support of actual real world grounded business model and marketing and sales process and delivery systems. And those people burn out really quickly because they're just on the endless hamster wheel of trying to do everything themselves. So I find that that real world practical structure and systems, best practices combined with, for me, typically NLP and hypnosis-based mindset work is like a magical you know Venn diagram where the sweet spot in the middle is what leads to exponential growth. It's an awesome question.
1: I'm translating it as, is you're so good at pinpointing the patterns and how to create the right pattern, and then you bring the suggestion NLP into their mind so that they can follow it and grow in that space because the suggestion's there to focus them on. Am I getting that?
2: Yeah, that's definitely it. And then to take that a step further, NLP is essentially, this is an unpopular opinion of mine within the NLP industry. Um, I have quite a few of those realistically, but NLP is really just a bag of tricks it's not a real recognized psychological science, right? It works. Well, Well, some of it works and some of it's rubbish. But I have been very pragmatic in my focus. I've attempted to eliminate anything that I, A, couldn't get to work for myself and B, couldn't get to work for my clients. So I'll only actually teach the bits that I consider to work. And then even within those techniques or tools or approaches, very often they're padded or fluff filled. So the second improvement that I attempted to make for myself in order to save time, because I have two, two kids and a wife, now I have a hobby farm. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little pressed for time on occasion. I don't want to have to spend an hour working through some mindset issue if I can get it done in five minutes and get the same outcome yeah and I think if you give anyone the choice of we can resolve this issue in five minutes or we can resolve it in an hour which would you prefer most people most of the time are probably going to lean towards five minutes so I trimmed the fat off as many of the NLP techniques as I possibly could I ended up getting them down to between five and 10 minutes and then wrote a book about it because if you average that out, you've got seven minutes. So I called my book Seven Minute Mindset to try and get that concept across. And I find that that, that makes a huge difference. So individ- having the ability to, to prescribe or even or work with people one-on-one, ask them a couple of questions from like a coaching framework, but also give a resource where it might be a five or a seven-minute MP3 recording of an NLP technique knowing that if they do that, it's going to resolve part or all of the issue that they're dealing with is I've built up a lot of tools and resources that allow me to do that over the years.
0: You know, when you say the mind, the mindset piece, how is that about, does that, that piece of like the coaching or the audio tape, like you said, giving them the MP4 or MP3, will that satisfy in the long run or in this moment? right? Because to me, there's also the patterns and the conditionings neurologically, right? We know neuroscience wise. Is that an overtime or is that just to create the disruption or interruption now in, in the pattern that they're in?
2: I can never know that for the individual okay, until we see the results, which is very interesting. The The metaphor... I don't know if you remember this from when, when you, had, Claudine, specifically when you attended my NLP training, but I use a terrible metaphor to explain this concept, which is a plate with eight slices of pizza on it. So one NLP technique might take, the goal is to have no pizza left on the plate, right? One, one technique might remove all eight slices of pizza. You might need two techniques, and, and, and the whole pizza is the issue that the person's dealing with, right? Different aspects of it. You might need two techniques and each one takes four slices off. You might need eight individual techniques and you take one slice off at a time or any combination of, you know, one to eight techniques. And eight is not a, not a set in stone number. I'm just using that because we've, I've just I've prescribed eight slices of pizza. So the additional uh, factor there is how many slices of pizza are on the plate when the person brings the problem to me. If, there's, if it's a fresh problem and there's eight slices, and it's a pretty deep you know well embedded issue it might actually take two techniques to get one slice of pizza off the off the tray and then so we're going to spend a couple of months unpacking this if they've been doing a lot of work on themselves for a long time and they've only got one slice of pizza left on that tray when they arrive and we do you know one shot, one, one, five minute technique. And it's the thing that they needed to remove that last slice of pizza. It could be that that takes the brakes off and that person just starts flying. And it was, was it that five minutes that I spent with them? Or was that the last straw on the camel's back? Right. And it's actually their lifetime of work building up to that moment and all they needed was that last five minutes. So I don't really take a lot of credit for the change. I used to when I was younger and I had a bigger ego, but now that I like to think I've checked that just a, <laughs> a little bit more, I think that it's also, I don't really need that, you know, pat on the ego anymore. You know, I'm, I'm so amazing. I'm making these changes. I think of myself more as a tour guide you know, we're on the tour bus and we're driving on safari. And if you look out the left, there's a lion over there. There's an elephant. What I'm doing now is I'm saying, if you choose to use this technique, it might help in in that way. And if you use that technique, it, it's been shown to work with this. And then people do what they're prepared to do. And that's really that. That's really about as simple as I can. Not that I need to simplify it for you guys, but it's just my habit that uh, that's as simple as I can get this concept across.
1: I like simple. <laughs> So you work with so you work individuals and in companies and do you do group work too? Or how how do you I do?
2: Yeah, I've got I've got a range of different programs and resources that people can use. Right. So really there's a spectrum of do it yourself right through to, you know, done for you. And I blend my mindset and and business coaching or consulting work together on this spectrum for myself. And then in the middle is done with you. So in terms of do it yourself, I wrote a book. I've got a bunch of products that people can purchase and work through in their own time. And I never meet those people. I actually give the book away for free as a PDF these days. So I'm looking at rewriting it because this is the 10th, well, next year, uh, 2022, will be the 10 year anniversary of when I wrote the book so i'm going to do a second edition and update it with you know what i've learned in the last decade so there's that kind of thing on the do it yourself end and then if we look at business coaching essentially is what i spend most of my time doing and i i use business coaching as a vehicle to work with clients on their mindset instead of working you know one on one in a in a kind of clinical setting i've i've done that for 15 years so i don't i don't It doesn't excite me anymore. I like business-related challenges and it lets me, you know, sharpen my sword within that framework. So I have a couple of different business coaching programs that are group-based. There's a lot of heavy one-on-one time within the group environments. So we take small groups and I still work with everyone one-on-one but within a group. So everyone else gets the benefit of what I'm saying to every individual person. And over the years, we've built up systems and processes that allow that to be a valuable experience for everyone instead of just feeling like you're sitting there for two hours listening to me talk to other people. And then right up on the, on the you know, kind of done for you side of things, we have some programs where, you know, part of our business is actually helping people build their business. So we build people's websites and marketing funnels and this is only something that we've really launched in the last six to eight months in my company because I, I'm constantly looking at what are the big stumbling blocks when clients are working with me. And the biggest one was they might have a great idea. They might actually be okay at marketing and you know decent at sales, but if they don't get the foundations in place, they never actually get to that point. So people spend six to 12 months trying to Scrap together their own their own website, and learning how to build out a marketing funnel and write emails and learning copywriting and and usually if they've never done it before it's pretty terrible what they end up with and then they attempt to look professional and put it out in the marketplace. So we decided to take that on as an offering and build that out for people. So now within ninety days we build custom really awesome website we only work with coaches and course creators so that we don't have to you know create a million different types of websites we're very good at what we do there so we build that and then i'll write all of the emails and do all of the copywriting because i'm pretty good at that as well and set up the crm for everyone tie it all together make sure that the website and all the marketing assets work together set up their payment systems and all these kind of things. So then all they have to do is what they're actually really good at. Yeah. So that's do-it-yourself, done with you and done for you in terms of business coaching. Then for my own personal interest, I also take on some one-on-one, I'll kind of just call it consulting clients. And that tends to be very high-level individualized and, and typically very interesting. One of my clients right now is... The, the the German CEO of a multinational corporate headhunting firm that places CEOs into hospitals all over the world. And so he runs Germany. Um, and so we're always talking about very high level conversations, networking, getting a, a hospital ready to take on a new CEO and helping that CEO communicate to the team and And I've no experience in that kind of thing, but I understand people really well and influence and communication and persuasion and getting your mindset right and removing the fears that could be in your way and all those kind of things. Another one of my clients is a Hollywood music producer. uh, And he also has a label where he signs uh, songwriters and then they write the hit songs that get sold to all of the, you know, today's hot recording artists and things like that. And so we do th- I work with him individually and then with his team of songwriters I work with them to help them learn more about influential language and in communication so that they can use that in songwriting as well as selling their songs to the agents of recording artists right and this is just two random examples off the top of my head so that doesn't fit in any of the boxes in the very neat kind of structured business coaching programs, but I find it fascinating. So I I take on a few clients like that every year. And that's, that's really what I do in business these days.
0: You know, I've heard you say, uh, I I like your, your continuum, right? Done for you, with you and the guiding principles. I know that you said, right? I like to keep it simple, (laughs) choose freedom. And are there other, you know, things that guide you? You know, I, I hear your skill at looking at the patterns, but is there some things that internally is like, this is your... You know your zone, a genius inside that you're tuning into when you're working with even these two random clients.
2: What I'm tuning into is the person in front of me. It's probably the, the simplest way to put it. I do my best to be intensely present with the person, typically on the other side of the screen, because I do most of. I'm in Australia. I'm actually in Tasmania, the little island at the bottom of Australia, and most of my clients are either in the US, the UK, and now we've got a handful in Europe. Uh, and some in Australia, but most of my clients are in the US. So most of my time is spent on Zoom and we I like to do face-to-face sessions like we're doing here. And I do my absolute best to minimize all distractions and just be intensely focused and present to the person that I'm with, trusting that all of the knowledge and skills that I've built up over the years are going to be present for me when I need them. Yeah. So I don't, I don't prepare for any coaching calls ever anymore, but that doesn't mean I'm not prepared. Yeah. I've done, I've done the, you know, the, the apprenticeship over 20 years. And now I'm at the point where I can, I can show up trusting that the right thing is almost certainly going to come out if I am present. So I think that's a, that's a big secret. There's actually a fantastic book by Robert Green on this called Mastery where he describes the whole process of – I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a master at anything. He describes the, the concept of becoming masterful at anything and go, and putting in the work and going through the apprenticeship. And so I think it's that continual refinement of the skill sets, staying current. So I'm, I'm typically always learning something so that I am not, you know, left behind because digital marketing world specifically moves very quickly. If you're not staying up to date on the latest software or the latest, you know, marketing strategies, most of which, by the way, are absolute rubbish, funnily enough. And I I, I look at those things, I get very interested. Oh, wow, that's great. Look at that. It's typically, it comes to me through my clients. So they'll, they'll say, what about this thing? Have you seen this before? And I'll check it out. And I never tell people what they should do, but I, I give my opinion on it. I wouldn't use that because of A, B, and C. Here's what I do instead. It's typically much simpler, much less expensive, less kind of shiny, bright, shiny object chasing. And I have a, a big belief in focusing on the fundamentals. Yeah, There are a few things that if you do them well in any area of life, you are much more likely to succeed, right? And this is where it starts to get into... And let me know if you feel I'm going down the right track here with this answer, okay, because I can... There are many tangents I can go on. If you look at the concept of the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle, which I'm sure you're familiar with, okay? So 20% of the inputs produce 80% of the outputs or the results. If you then apply 80-20 to itself, right... 20% of 20% is 4, and 80% of 80 is 64. So 4% of your inputs produce 64% of your outputs or results, which is very, very interesting. If you take that a step further, and the math isn't exact here, like the numbers aren't as clean as 4 and 64, so I round up and down just slightly, we end up with 1% of your inputs or what you do produces 50% of the results, which is a phenomenal leverage leverage opportunity if you can find that 1%. Right. And this works mathematically, 1% in terms of 80-20, right? So I like to focus on finding, if possible, the 1% that's going to move that needle to 50% done. Right. We have we've produced 50% of the results we're after. The other 50% will come from the other ninety-nine percent of actions or things, which is is such a phenomenal imbalance that if you can find that 1%, it's an absolute game changer, right? Because it also frees up 99% of your time, energy, and resources. If you can't drill down to 1%, 4% producing 64% of the results, first of all, it's more results, so that's great. And it's only marginally more time, effort, and work. So we often teach the concept of 1% of what you do will produce 50% of the results but practically speaking if we can get to 4 to 5% of what you thought you needed to do and get you 64 65% of the way to the goal that you want that's a massive and to use a word you used earlier mark exponential growth opportunity there's a couple of other principles that if you then overlay them on top of this pour more, even more fuel on the fire one is an idea that, that it's called the 15% rule. And this comes from a, a, a guy called W. Edward Deming, who's the, like the, the father of total quality management, right? So he came up with this concept of quality control, took it to Japan, in, uh, applied it to production lines. And he's one of the reasons that we have such efficient production capacity in the world, right? And what he found is if you have a process – and you focus on getting the first 15% of that process as right as possible, you are 85% likely to achieve your goal, right? So when they apply this to engineering and production and car manufacturing and things like that, they optimize the first 15% of the process and make sure that's done right. And then that dramatically increases the likelihood that the rest of the process is going to work and produce the result. And they've done study after study after study for decades on this. They found if you get that 15% right at the beginning, which in other words just means start well, start focused, start well, do the beginning as best as you can, you are 85% likely to achieve your goal. If we overlay that on the 80-20 multi-level deep concept and we can find that 4% of things, that are going to produce 64% of the results, and I'm talking a lot of percentages here, but hopefully it's coming across okay, we find that 4% of tasks, activities, processes, and then we make sure that we start that well, we are much more likely to achieve that 64% of results. Right, So we increase the likelihood that we'll get the result. The third principle that we overlay on the top of this is Parkinson's Law which is that work expands to fill the time made available for it. And most people either grossly underestimate or grossly overestimate the amount of time that something's going to take. I find, practically speaking, through a business coaching lens that most people grossly overestimate the amount of time that it's going to take them to get something done because they get distracted and they try and do the other 96% of stuff instead of finding the 4%. So if you can find that 4%, right? You then put the first 15% of your time, energy, and attention on getting that as right as possible, and you shrink the deadline in which you will complete that task. Those three concepts have a a synergistic relationship that massively propels results.
1: Cleaning out all the superfluous stuff. I mean, that's what I keep hearing. I hear that one of your gifts is that too, is just clearing out all, like we do so much stuff that's has no value and we don't build it on a foundation that's very clean and perfect for what we're building. We build a different foundation, wonder why the house doesn't fit on it, but you're cleaning out all that. Wow. Lots to think about there. Um, we also know that you talk about or, or have used travel and that kind of experience to foster growth and change in your clients. Uh, can you share some of that? What that brings?
2: Absolutely, I love travel for the fun, for a start. Also, I'm a bit of a polarity responder to use an NLP term, a mismatcher in general. Right, so people can either look for similarities or differences. It's one of what's called well, in NLP parlance is termed meta program program that kind of sits beyond the the general operational subconscious programs that most people think of when they think of programming we have quite a few of these binary programs that operate and one is you know in any situation are you more likely to sort for similarities or differences and i i'm in general i sort for differences so one of the how, you know, that, that's quite vague, right? How does that apply practically? Very often when you have young children, people will say, oh, make sure you get your travel in before you have a baby because once you have a baby, you're not going to travel for the next 10 years. My wife and I had a baby and then three years later we had another baby and people were saying, well, you're done then, no travel for you. So we, we're both, you know, <laughs> polarity responders. We, we We looked at that and went, well, is that really true? Let's challenge the basic assumption of that. And decided to travel the world with our children. So, what ended up happening, A, you find out that world travel is nowhere near as expensive as most people assume it is, if you do it smart. And B, that children are not an obstacle to world travel, but they are a very good reason to do it. Our kids, right now, my daughter is 11, 11 and a half, and my son is eight. And every day in conversation, they'll bring up a reference just in you know, in general conversation or when discussing the schoolwork or whatever it happens to be, and they'll make a reference about somewhere in the world that we've been and something specific that we experienced or that we ate or in, oh, that's like when we had, you know, such and such in this location. And it could be very, very strange sometimes. And this is because they're, you know, during their formative years, they were in Italy, in France, in Spain, Germany, Thailand, Japan. Uh, I don't think we went to China. I've been to China. They haven't been to China, so that's on the list. We've travelled all around Australia. I'm sure there's more, but they've they've been to so Vietnam. We lived in Vietnam for three months. They've been in so many countries and had so many interactions with different people and different experiences. On top of them, my wife is French. I'm Australian, so um, they have you know, that dual culture built into them as well, which is very interesting. And I looked at that and and the awesomeness of their experiences and quite selfishly, really, um, a few years ago, this is going back probably six or seven years ago, I'm not exactly sure, I got a little sick of the way that I'd built my business. It was nowhere near as fun as it is now. And I had a conversation with my wife who calls me on my rubbish very, very well. It's what you want in a life partner. And she ended up just asking me a great question, which was if you could structure your business any way you wanted without doing what you think you have to do, what would you do? And my answer was, well, I'd like to travel to amazing locations and with a group of awesome people and do really fun things. And that was as detailed as the plan was. Her response was, Well, just do that. So, this is pre COVID. We haven't been able to do this since international travel, you know, shut down for the majority of 2020, really. Um, it's only just starting to open back up now here. I'm not sure what it's like in the States for you guys, but we are only just really starting to be allowed to get on aeroplanes again. So, for, for the last two years, I've been doing all of my events live online, which is Cool, but nowhere near as fun. Previously, twice a year, all of my uh, group coaching clients, we would go somewhere in the world or they'd come here. We've, we've done this in uh, France, Thailand, USA, and Australia. Every six months, we would meet somewhere in the world. I would typically, the order might change, but I would teach a seminar for two or three days. Then we'd take a day off and just relax. And then we'll do something adventurous or fun together for two or three days. So uh, we took all of our clients to Lyon in France, which is where my wife's from. We went up into the mountains. We hiked, we took a, a cable car up to the top of Mont Blanc, uh, which is amazing. We And, and we tie in business or mindset related exercises when we do these things we hiked back down the mountain and had a picnic halfway it was phenomenal but when we're at the top there is there's a glass box on the side of the mountain this is very safe but super scary and it's uh, fourteen thousand feet high and you step out into this glass box with a glass floor and you look down the mountain and the, it, in translation from french of this experience is stepping into the void which i thought was just beautifully metaphorical. So before everyone went and did this activity, we sat down um, in the cafe and talked about in terms of their businesses, because I'm business coaching these clients, what is the number one fear or limitation that you feel is holding you back? And then I had designed, because once you reach a certain level of experience in NLP, you you realize the structure behind most of the techniques and the framework you can create your own techniques so i designed a technique to symbolically represent that major fear or limitation that they felt was stopping them getting where they wanted to be we created a symbol for that and then as each one of them stepped into the void and stood on the glass box we dropped that limitation that fear down the mountain Right. And I still get I did it for myself as well. I still get chills down my spine when I think about it. It's happening right now. Um, and so we do that kind of thing. We tie in these these very empowering, interesting and quite awesome experiences into the travel, which also makes it far more memorable. Not that hiking down Mont Blanc is not memorable in and of itself, but when you also have left behind your biggest obstacle to business success, dropped at 14,000 feet through a glass box down the side of a mountain, that's pretty cool. So we do that kind of thing. We brought everyone to Australia. I ran a seminar that I called Business Survival, and uh, we taught, that was very heavily focused on marketing and lead generation. And then for the adventure component, we actually met a gentleman who's become one of my best friends um, just because it's, you know, it's how life happens. We hired in Australia, our special forces is the SAS. And there's, a, there's a, a guy who has a huge property, like 300 acres. He's built a survival school on his own land. And in the SAS, he was the in-house survival expert for Australian special forces. And then when he left, he started this uh, civilian survival training school, and we took all of the clients and did a wilderness survival training course with our special forces instructor. So we do things like that. And then we actually did that first, and then took a day off um, and went to the beach. And then I did the seminar that I titled "Business Survival" and used a lot of the lessons from the wilderness survival training and weave them metaphorically into you know, the business training. So it's a really fun way of learning. And in these events, we structure the experience so that you don't leave with a to-do list, you actually do the work in in the training. So it's a true workshop instead of a seminar. All right, so they leave we like to say you leave with a to done list instead of a to-do list. It's not perfect English, but it's funny. And so that's that's kind of why we do it. To 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 put you in different environments, you can't act the same as you do when you're in your own home, comfortably interacting on a Zoom call. So you must just just by bathing in a totally different culture, different language, you're forced out of your comfort zone. It's therefore simultaneously you are more open and more suggestible. So the mindset work hits home really hard and it's really fun and really memorable and you get to create these amazing life experiences. That's kind of why I do it. But really underlying all of that, I wanted to travel the world, do awesome things with amazing people and get paid for it.
1: Correct. I like that.
0: Yes. I can remember hearing these stories and going like, oh, that it is when you you said that too. I, I never thought about it, but you, your, your natural automatic responses really are not as available to you, right? This is not a place that I, I can think my way out of. I have a point of reference, not when you're like in a survival camp or at 14,000 feet. It's going to call forth a new part of you, a new experience. I love that. Something
2: really interesting is even with the, with the survival training, for example, we weren't completely sure what to expect. So we went out and bought bags for everyone there are about 10 people on this particular training so we bought a bag and we stocked it with food and water and and uh supplies provided you know sleeping bags and yoga mats for we bought cheap yoga mats for people to sleep on on the ground and then when we got there what we we were told that we'd be making our own you know, lean to huts, sleeping on the grass. Hut, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we were heavily encouraged to fast for the three days and not eat anything. You drink as much water as you like, there's water available, but don't eat anything to simulate a real life survival situation as much as possible. And, and you know, I wasn't expecting that either. So it was very, very interesting these are the what I like is these experiences where you just can't control all the variables you know yeah
0: i mean biologically it's a whole new experience yeah exactly oh God, that's great any tips for our audience right people who are growing businesses we have lots of coaches and entrepreneurs who listen to our podcast some things that you would suggest to them to you know ready their next level have that breakthrough or, or you know Get, get the results they're seeking. I know you've, you've shared a lot already, and particularly some of the principles. Is there any last parting words that you'd like to share?
2: In terms of business growth tips, again, keep it really simple. Don't, don't follow the latest bright, shiny object. Right? So one simple marketing system that works and generates leads is better than doing 10 different things that don't generate leads or only a couple of leads. If you find that one thing that works for you and dial that in so that it's scalable, then you have leads practically on demand. Okay? Up until a certain income level, it's generally better to have an organic lead generation system because usually people won't have the money to invest in paid advertising. I can't say what that level is for everyone, but in general, it tends to be somewhere between ten dollars and $20,000 a month. Because once you hit $10,000 a month, most people's daily life expenses are covered, right? You've got the rent or the mortgage, the food, the after-school activities for the kids, the insurance, all that stuff's taken care of, and you can start to allocate a little bit of budget towards paid advertising. The other advantage is if you have an organic marketing system that doesn't cost you any money, you don't need to spend money on advertising, right? And you should continue that anyway, even when you do have a marketing budget, so that if the platform that you are paying for advertising on changes, something like Facebook, for example, is notorious for shutting accounts down out of nowhere, for uh, changing the way the system works, or Google might do another animal themed update they get the penguin slap the panda slap whatever it happens to be and then all of a sudden the free seo you've been doing doesn't work anymore right so it's good to have an an organic marketing system that generates leads for free and then when you can afford it to spend a little bit of money on paid advertising because that's like a traffic tap you turn it on press the button leads come in and that's great Leads are blood, right? But they need to actually circulate around or the business is still gonna die. You can have blood, but if your heart's not pumping, you're not going to survive. So sales is like the heart, okay? So you need to find one way of converting, first of all, identifying high quality prospects and then converting them into clients. I prefer to say turn high quality prospects into high paying clients, but it's okay if you have low paying clients at scale. It's just much easier to reach income goals and be more actively present for your clients when you have a small number of clients paying a reasonable fee. Okay. So one marketing system, one sales system, and then one delivery model that pumps out a lot of money for you because it's fine to make money in business, right? There's nothing wrong with money. So money for you, super happy clients, and it doesn't chew up all of your time. So I like to build business models that deliver to, I'll speak for me personally, my delivery takes between two and 10 hours a month to service all of my clients and that's very different to the way a lot of people's businesses run. Now that's delivery, that's not including marketing and sales. Right, so let's call that 10 hours a month. And then let's say the rest of it takes another 30 hours a month, so I'm looking at 10 hours a week. That's still not a lot of work time to get everything done. And that's because we find that one marketing system that generates the right type of leads, the gap between lead And client is an offer that people would feel silly saying no to. So you want to put an offer in place that is so appealing that it makes more sense to say yes than no. And there's an art and a science to that as well. One system to generate leads, absolutely, truly irresistible offer that will result in sales, delivery model that delivers and delights the client. So you go above and beyond even what they think they're going to get in this irresistible offer. So it's not only irresistible, but it's also awesome. And then you've got marketing, sales, and delivery. Everything's taken care of. The final factor would be manage your cash flow effectively with the right accounting and bookkeeping systems. And that is all it takes to build and grow a highly successful, highly leveraged business.
0: Thank you, and and you know I'm I'm sitting here thinking of is it atomic habits automatic um, habits where you, James Clear who will say right your, your habits success yeah, is, that's right. yeah right your success is based on the systems that you have right you're only going to get it as far as the success of your own systems and you I know you are a systems man I mean that you you've spoken about that right. It's efficiency and you're, you know, we don't want your zone of genius is not uh, one area. Then what are you putting the time in? And uh, I appreciate that clarity that you bring, Nick. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I, I thank you for taking the time and spending that with us today. Yeah, It's um, always a, a, an honor. It's been right two, three years since I've seen you in the in, you know, United States. So hopefully get back over.
2: <laughs> I'd love to. I'm, I'm 18 yes. to get on an
1: airplane. <laughs> yes, same here.
0: Yes, in the United States, you're right. We're a little bit more flexible. We can fly. But, you know, this. we can fly, but uh, it doesn't always mean it's a safe thing to do yet. Um, so wish you and your family well. So uh, thank you.
1: Thank you for your time. And that was very, very good. Clear. Yep. Clear business advice. Yes, uh, that, that, Use some of it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know how to reach Nick now. So thank you everyone for listening to Breakthrough the Ordinary Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into really effective tools and systems to have an extraordinary life and professional career. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a rating and share with others on social media. And you can catch the latest by following us at the BTO Podcast on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you. Till next time.